Hey guys, and welcome to What the Fuck's Up podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Kelly. Um, It is currently late in the day Wednesday, and I apologize, but I don't know if Mercury and retrograde is happening late for me or what, but like these health issues just won't quit. So if you didn't hear my little solo sad boy CK episode, the TLDR of it is I have been having allergy attacks back to back. So getting some tests for that, figuring out what the fuck is up there. Um, So I apologize for missing last week's Wednesday episode and for any hoarseness in my voice. Hopefully we'll be figuring it out soon for everyone involved. Today I just wanted to do some housekeeping things for this episode. So my guest today is Julio Galarotti, who is a great comedian I discovered um, personally. No, I'm kidding who I met when I was at the Stand Comedy Club in New York City. And I just wanted to let you guys know that he actually has a screening coming up that is happening at the New York Comedy Festival this upcoming Tuesday, November 9th. So you can get tickets on their website, the New York Comedy Festival website. Um, Again, it'll be Tuesday the 9th at 9.30 p.m. at Caveat. Um, So yeah, buy your tickets for that. The other quick housekeeping thing would be that we do discuss in this episode Dave Chappelle, which it's been so interesting to me because both Julio and another comedian I recorded with recently whose episode has yet to air, um, both of them were kind of like singing Chappelle's praises, talking about how he was kind of like untouchable in the comedy world. I think the female comedian who I'm referring to uh, spoke of him being like the Jesus of the comedy world. And then, I don't know, Julia was giving a tennis comparison and calling him the Federer of the comedy world. So it's just interesting that yet again, as I try to emphasize in the podcast, no one's untouchable or infallible and everyone fucks the fuck up. So Chappelle kind of fucked up recently, and um, Julio, yeah, really wanted you guys to know he has not seen the special. Um, This episode was recorded prior to it coming out. For people who don't know, basically, the Chappelle Netflix special, um, he talks a lot about kind of defending himself on these past jokes about trans people he's made. He makes more trans jokes, did not go over great. I can't really speak to it because... I don't think it's my place as someone who's not in that community and has friends in it and is sensitive to it. Um, All that aside, I just didn't love the special that much. I have friends who really liked bits of it. I just felt like his past ones have been better personally. And I don't know, like, I, I always find it kind of not fun to watch people defend themselves, especially in, like, a comedic setting. It feels weird and... There's a lot of time and energy on that. So let me know your thoughts. Um, I'd love to hear what you guys think, especially if you are a part of that community. The other thing that's funny is um, we do discuss how Julio came up in comedy with Pete Davidson by his side. And Pete Davidson obviously is always in the tabloids, but has recently been for now suddenly dating Kim Kardashian, which I was asking you guys about on my Instagram story before I realized that we had discussed him in this episode. So some of those results, 
I did the question on my story saying how in the world does Pete Davidson pull this shit off with girls? Like he's cute, but damn. You guys had funny responses. You said BDE, aka Big Dick Energy. I don't know, but it's insane, which is kind of how I feel. Girls just want to have a laugh. Hating himself swag. More BDE. Look, this is what I'll say. He's not totally my type visually. Like, I don't really get the, like, lanky dude with tattoos thing that's happening in society right now. That being said, I do think it's really cool that he's funny. I do think girls like to laugh. I like to laugh. Um, I think it's cool that he's open about his mental health. All of that's true. I don't know about the big dick energy being true because he said it wasn't his stand-up special where he said that Ariana sum up for failure. But regardless, he has swag. I get that. Um, that being said, like, none of, not none of these girls, but a lot of these girls don't make sense to me. And I think Kim Kardashian is, like, the pinnacle of that. Like, it just, it doesn't add up to me. So, going off that, I asked the question, how long do we think they're going to last? 75% of you said under two months, which I agree with. But, I mean, knowing Kim and Chris, they are brilliant businesswomen and I think Kim killed it on SNL and she might be riding, you know, that wave and, you know, people liked the fact that she and Pete kissed. So who knows if this is real or a publicity stunt, but it remains to be seen. Um, and do we ever really know? I don't know. Okay. I'm going to stop going on about this and let you guys hear the episode. Um, I hope you're having a great Wednesday and let me know what you think. Here it is. Hello everyone and welcome to What the Fuck's Up podcast. Today I'm joined by New York City-based comedian, actor, and content creator Julio Gallerati. Julio, not Julio, as his Instagram name states, is a co-host of the Oops podcast alongside fellow New York City comedian Francis Ellis. He has appeared on MTV shows such as Totally Clueless and Girl Code, Hulu's show Rammy, Gotham Comedy Live, Comedy Central, and Sirius XM Radio. I met Julio after seeing his set at the New York City Comedy Club, The Stand, and as we just discussed, we have a lot of very funny, crazy, mutual friends. So welcome, Julio. Thank you for coming back on the podcast. Hello, hello. So for the listeners, um, when we're recording this, uh, the Lindsay Metzler engagement episode just came out, and I joked that she's my first repeat offender. Um, But technically, if Julio and my episode had properly recorded, you'd be my second (laughs) one. But alas, technology can be very, very cruel. So basically what I'm saying in in English is that (laughs) Julio and I recorded once at my house and GarageBand decided to have a panic attack, which, you know, it would be my GarageBand to have a panic attack. And (laughs) here we are. But Julio is a great guy and said he would do it again. So welcome, Julio. Thank you for coming back. What the fuck is up? What's going on? You know, they uh, it's looking like it's, it was going to be a thunderstorm, which is annoying because I have to oh, really? go out there later. Good. I think so. And I checked the forecast. Starting off the podcast with weather, small talk. You know what? I kind of <laughs> like it because I don't think, honestly, I'm so weird and so like 
like I've joked before, I'm like almost overly like extroverted that this is kind of like new for me. Like, I feel like my listeners will almost be caught off guard by this more than me saying something else. So this is, this is cool. Um, guys, it's rainy in New York. Maybe I didn't know that was going to happen, but the wind's been fucking insane. Yeah. Howling. But what the fuck is up otherwise? What's going on in your life? You're doing comedy. You have your podcast. You have your amazing girlfriend who I ran into with uh, Mm -hmm. this past weekend at Ludlow House because I have fancy friends, but I'm not fancy personally. It's good to have friends in high places and not pay for shit. Yeah, that's what I found. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is that's a solid that is a solid move. Solid move. Yeah. Um, you know, things are good. It's uh just the the fall is really nice here, as you know, in New York. There's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, you know, everybody's back in the city, stuff's going on, and like this fall has been a more conventional fall here, you know, in the like last fall we didn't get a real fall. No. Last fall was like COVID. very scary vibes because yeah. things were like pseudo normal. That being a stretch compared to this past summer, like pseudo normal in the city. And then it just went from like zero to hundred to being like back in lockdown kind of mode. Um, so yeah. I agree. This is, yeah. and fall in New York is really, really nice. I'm excited because having you know, last fall was my first fall back technically in like a while. So it's nice mm-hmm. to have like a proper chiller, except for today when I'm trying to figure out moving, but otherwise chiller fall. So that's exciting. Um, so for some background, I gave Julio's like, you know, entire resume, if you will. Um, but Julio is like really for people who don't live in New York City, like is a very established, successful comedian. I feel bad making you do it again, Julio, but do you want to talk a little bit about how you got into comedy and where you are now? So how I got into comedy, I was, I finished school. I had sort of always wanted to do some kind of performing kind of thing when I was a kid. And you know, it's like the classic small town thing. Like your parents tell you like, oh, you're funny, you're this or that. But aren't you like, from New York though? Uh, like originally, but no, I like grew up more in a small town. Like we're from Brooklyn originally. And mm-hmm. then when I was young, like we moved to like the, the sticks basically like rural Connecticut. Got it. Yeah. And, um, went to high school there, everything. So I like was part of this little playhouse when I was a kid. It was sort of like community theater kind of thing. And I would like yeah. be the star of the play, you know? Wait, that's so cute. You didn't tell me this last time. I love this. Yeah. Yeah, this is so, why you should record twice. I'm going to do this with yeah. all my guests now. <laughs> so anyway, I was into that kind of stuff. And then I got I got kind of really into playing tennis. And I stopped uh, kind of acting and stuff. Besides, I would, I would take like drama class in high school, you know, but that was like kind of it. Went to school, kind of decided I wanted to get a job and try to make some money, whatever. Did that for a very short period of time and then decided I was going to try doing stand up. And then decided um, you didn't need money. Who's, what's money? Well... I don't know. It's not, I don't know if that was the thought process. It was kind of like, Ooh, I don't like this job that much. Yeah. Maybe like I can do comedy. I don't know. Maybe I just gave up on the money idea. Maybe I thought that if I was doing something cool, money wouldn't matter. I like, I don't really know. I don't remember the thought process, you know? Yeah. Um, But I do remember that I was on a bunch of Adderall one day at work and not, not like an unusual amount, but like on Adderall and yeah, 
I had just watched The Dark Knight and I was like, oh, wow, like I was so inspired or whatever. And then I like signed up for a comedy show to like be on a comedy show. Wait, you um, didn't even take a class. You just like raw dogged, like went in for it. Yeah, no, I never took any classes. Um, not, I don't, that's not like an accomplishment. There's like plenty of comedians who never took any classes. Um, really? But I mean, I, I don't know that actually, but whatever. Like the class. <laughs> Give starting, me stats. Starting is the important part, you know? True. Yeah. If you start, it doesn't matter how you start as long as you start and then you realize you start figuring it out. So uh, I, I signed up for this show and it was one of those things where like when you start comedy, you don't know what you're doing. You do these things. There's a variety of things you can do. One of them is called bringer shows. Uh, and I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but for your yes. listeners, uh, yeah, that's basically like you can perform, but you have to bring people who pay to see you. And, you know, if you bring five, six people, whatever, however many people it is. So I signed up for one of those, invited all my friends so that I couldn't back out because I was like, I, I ended up being nervous when all the Adderall wore Aww. off. When all the um, Adderall wore off. And then I did this show and, you know, it went well because most of the crowd was my friends. Do you remember what your like original material was at all? Like what yeah, the joke kinda. was about? Yeah. Yeah. I, one joke in particular was about the whisper song by the Ying Yang twins. <laughs> That's so great. Cause that also gives like, I feel like everyone knows that song and like what year of their life it correlated to, you know, like it was such a, it was a banger. That was a banger. I I, yeah, it really was. Um, so what was the joke? It was like, it was like about how, you know, they whisper the whole song. You can't understand anything except wait, do you see my dick? Like that was sort of the, <laughs> And it was like, it wasn't terrible for like a first yeah. joke, you know? I like it. I laughed. So anyway, that that show went well, um, yeah. relatively speaking. And then I, you know, started signing up for more and more of these kind of bringer shows. Trying, I didn't know any comedians, so I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, so I did a couple of bringer shows. Then, you know, I thought I, I got cocky. Then I started realizing that not every show goes well. And then I started to realize what really needs to go into doing stand-up in order for it to be able to happen and like you think you're funny right away but like you make a fool out of yourself for the first couple of years you know what I mean at least I did and I think most people that I see do um and then eventually you figure it out hopefully if you stick with it and yeah. you know things get better and better I guess I, I don't really know I, it's hard to say the the jury's still out on my current comedy career um but hopefully <laughs> I things don't will think continue to progress. yes no you're doing great um yeah, no, we kind of talked about that um, in our OG recording, which we will refer to sometimes just because you know, that's <laughs> how my brain works. I'm like, oh, well, I know this. But something we were talking about was kind of how, um, and it sounds like you were in this position at a point in time, but how there are a lot of like people who kind of come up to you being entitled and kind of wanting it to happen right away or like without kind of going through you know, the actual like tough parts of comedy that are like inherently part of it, which is very similar to the acting mm. world and stuff too. I think it's such a like thing that a lot of people in the entertainment world kind of, you know, have that phase, but then after the phase are annoyed by other people going through the phase, if that makes sense. Like, so with acting, it's easier to get lucky though. You can get lucky as an actor. Like it's, it's really hard to just start comedy Mm -hmm. and not be that funny and 
and have a, and like get super lucky and like yeah. start doing comedy. You know what I mean? Like you can get discovered for other things. And I know that happens in LA. Like people see a new comedian who's young, who they think is this or that. And like they get, a, they get an agent and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But like you can get, I mean, as you know, there's people who they'll be auditioning for just a little bit and they'll book something and then totally. they figure it out while they're, while they're working. I, with comedy, it just doesn't really work that way. Like it's rare to see, like you can't skip the line because you just don't know how to do it. Yeah. I would say it's pretty rare in acting too, though, unless you're either very lucky, a very good looking, convincibly straight man, or have connections. Right. But these are all, none of those things help you in comedy. Okay. Fair, fair. You know, like all, like, like knowing somebody isn't going to make you be funny. Like you can Do know you anybody you want. And good with looking, sorry to cut you off in comedy actually makes it harder people say that but it's just really like i don't necessarily think so like there's yeah. there's people there's plenty of like super good looking comedians in la who do mm, great true. you know what i mean so you know i think that anybody making an excuse for why they aren't doing better it's just like an excuse it really is just an excuse yeah. because there's so many exceptions um that you can't be like oh like i'd be funnier if this this and that yeah. You'd be funnier if you were funnier is kind of <laughs> is kind of the the way it works, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um Um, I had Osama on, which I think I told you last time, but um on the podcast earlier this season, and I was kind of joking with him about like how a lot of like white male comedians, sorry, no offense, but will like just kind of like automatically like fall to the whole like cancel culture joke or like oh am I gonna be canceled or whatever and he was like yeah bad comedians do that because like they don't know what else to do and they want to justify why people don't like them basically is what he mm. said so kind of in a similar vein um but what is the world like I mean I feel like I have like a weird kind of like outside looking in perspective on it as someone who like really enjoys watching comedians and has them on my podcast but like what has that world been like and do you feel like you're now like kind of solidly a part of it like is that most of your friend group or do you go in and out in terms of like who you hang out with like what's that world like that's a good question that's a thank good question you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, I felt, yeah, you ask good questions. That's a nice yeah, Thank you. Nice I thing. try. Because honestly, I do a lot of comedian podcasts. And a lot of time comedians, they don't even realize they're doing it. But they like have you on their podcast. And then they just talk the whole time. And like they don't mm -hmm. ask you anything. And that's fine. And it's fine if it becomes a discussion. But a lot of the time it doesn't. A lot of the time I'm, I, I like, I don't really, and whatever. So anyway. It's like they're I doing stand-up. Yeah. Maybe, no, I, I, whatever. I don't really know. Yeah. Hard to put my finger on it. Um, but, okay, so, yeah, I, it, when I started comedy, starting comedy obviously is really hard. It's not super glamorous. It's kind of like starting anything, you know what I mean? It's like the process isn't always that uh, fun or pretty or whatever. So there was a lot more temptation to want to do stuff with my non-comedy friends. Mm. Um, but as the years have gone on, my as myself and and my peers and my friends and comedy start to do more and more and do better like we all have a little money now and like we can like do more shit so it's i find that balancing out more and more as i get older and i'm to the point where like i do go back and forth like i certainly have my non-comedy friends as well but i really enjoy hanging out with my comedy friends too um whereas before i at the beginning i didn't 
I was like dreading going to open mics. I was dreading doing some of this stuff. And now I sort of enjoy it a little bit more um, because it's much more fun. It's fun when you last long enough to have people who come to see you who you don't know, like shit like that. You know what I mean? That stuff's all obviously fun, especially when it's not intrusive and it's new-ish for me. So I'm I'm still like enjoying kind of like the perks of that kind of shit. So I, I like the, sta- the comedy lifestyle. Sometimes it can be hard to find a balance between peaking energy wise at the right times. So like, it's nice to have energy in the morning, right? It's really hard to have energy in the morning if you've been out doing comedy all night the night before. And totally. even if you're not drinking, you know what I mean? It's just hard to kind of balance your energy. And especially if you're creating stuff, like I like to make a lot of videos and, and I'm, I spend a lot of my time editing and it's, it's hard to find the energy to do that sometimes if I'm doing a lot of comedy, you know what I mean? So yeah. I think that's the biggest challenge um, is sort of balancing uh, the lifestyle with trying to like participate in mainstream society as well. Totally. No, that's so funny. You say that. Um, I have a comedian, I won't spoil who she is. I'll tell you after, but who's coming on and something came up for her and she was like, I'm so sorry. I have to reschedule, but I could do it at 9 30 PM. If you want, I was like, Oh, nah, let's like, <laughs> I was like, I'll just, do it next week. She's like, you're young. I'm like, yeah, but I don't work in comedy. So 930 is when my brain turns off and I start watching TV and cuddling with my dog, like, or I'm getting <laughs> fucked up, but either way, I'm not like conducting an interview. And so I totally like, I don't know. I totally understand that. I think like I would consider myself, well, as I've gotten older, I've gotten to be more of a morning person, which I think is like a thing. Natural, um, yeah. But like in general, I would say I'm more of a night person, but you know, even as you said, if you're not drinking, whatever, it doesn't matter if you're out doing a set and expending that kind of energy, which is a more like focused, um, on kind of energy until like midnight or 1am, like that's exhausting. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard. Yeah. It can be tiring. Totally. Um, how have you found that? So we've talked a little about this before. I've also met your girlfriend. She's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, we have some mutual friends, which we also rediscovered on Saturday, which was funny, but, um, but how has that been in terms of like dating her, but also in the past with girlfriends? Like, have you ever found that kind of like impacting your dating life, just the scheduling kind of differences or? Has it always been workable? It's never really mattered. Um, the thing that Matt, like the thing, the biggest kind of factor, I guess, always was more just about like money. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. there was something, you know, when you're starting and you're and you have to do other jobs and, and even people who are like veteran comics that, who are super funny, like I know they, they haven't been able to like figure out a way to just make all their money doing it. So they'll like yeah. do other shit. And that can be like, like you just, you can feel insecure about it. So like that would always kind of be my challenge where I'd be like, Oh, I'm a comedian. But then why am I giving tennis lessons too? If I'm a comedian, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I would feel, I would always feel kind of like a little insecure about that kind of stuff. Like that would be a little challenging as far as the lifestyle itself. I mean, when, when all that was an issue, I was younger. Right. So like mm-hmm. young girls, at least then for me, like they didn't give a shit about my schedule. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they were young and having fun and going out during the week. And like, it was actually very conducive scheduling wise. Uh, and as I've gotten older, it's, 
it's not a problem because I don't think I would ever be with somebody who it was a problem with. You know what I mean? My girlfriend's cool as oh, shit. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't care. Um, we, you know, there can be, I guess, challenges sort of, but it's not, it never ends up being a big deal. Yeah. It's not like you can't see each other kind of thing. That's more what I was thinking. No, I mean, we, we both are home for a lot, a lot of the day and we, she works sure. from home. So we get to see each other. We spend time together at night when we can. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we still do shit on the weekend and we have our little stuff we do and we go on trips and we have fun and whatever. So they, there's no problems yet. Um, we've been dating now for a few years and it's definitely the most sort of like stable, normal relationship I've had as an adult. Um, the yeah. stuff before was kind of just like, it wasn't not serious. Some of it, some relationships were, some relationships weren't, but for the vast majority of my sort of New York city life, I was single. Yeah. Uh, and that was obviously really fun. Totally. But that being said, you, made a comment just now basically saying that well first of all congrats that you guys have been together that long and stuff that's awesome it seems like you guys are in a really good place and super like confident and kind of like calm about one another which is so nice and i've talked about this i've actually had i'm not a dating podcast some people think i am i'm like no it's just pertinent to a lot of people's lives. So it comes up sometimes, but, um, but I had a dating expert on recently, Amy Chan, and then also was talking to Lindsay recently and stuff. And, um, a lot of what comes up about, you know, relationships that are productive and like, you know, more have more potential to be long lasting versus not is this idea of like, it not being crazy or it not being like so exciting in certain ways kind of in the beginning and what you've talked about in the past with me and what it kind of sounds like you're insinuating is your past relationships were a little more like high and low and like intense. Yeah. Just like more immature. Yeah. Yeah. You just like, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know if this is, if maybe some people never grow out of this, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this sort of like every day is a new day thing with a relationship, you know, that just, it just felt like a young person's thing. And granted, like I was maybe older than one would be participating in that kind of shit, but it was because yeah. the girls I were dating were younger. You know what I mean? And a lot of the time, just like kind of unstable, but like classic, like New York City unstable. Drama, yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, self-induced drama. And like, maybe, maybe there's sort of like, some legitimate stuff there, but at the same token, it's like, all right, you don't need to live this kind of life, you know, just kind of like all over the place, bullshit. Um, and it's all good, but, um, yeah, I feel like my relationship now is much more adult and much more enjoyable. Yeah. I'm interested to hear because it actually makes me sad to say aloud, which is like a sign, but, um, but it's funny because it's like, I think a lot of the time, like we're talking about being immature and I do agree to an extent, like it's very immature, like it, because a lot of it comes from not doing work on yourself and realizing like the patterns you're indulging in, in a way. Um, but it's interesting because I've never like seen myself as someone who actively seeks out something that's like toxic or dramatic or whatever. Like if you asked me three years ago, I'd be like, no, of course not. But it's kind of in these like subtle, like subconscious ways that we don't like notice these repeating patterns or red flags or anything. And I found with me dating recently, 
I have to like actively check myself and be like, you're just looking for things wrong because it feels very comfortable and comfortable almost feels new in a weird way. Just because my last relationship was very turbulent. And I think that's what I'm comparing things to. I'm like, no, no, no. It's good that it's comfortable in a completely foreign way, if that makes sense. But basically, in a very long-winded way, what I'm asking is, when you guys first got together, was there a moment where you're like, oh, maybe this is too good to be true? Like, when's the other, you know, shoe gonna drop type of thing? Or were you just like, no, this is chill? It really moved pretty slow. Mm. Um, so that helps. Yeah. Yes, that helps. And that that's kind of credit to her. I mean, I've definitely, I've talked about this on a few different podcasts, I think, but the, you know, she kind of really was a person who wanted to move slowly and kind of putting me on that schedule was definitely a good thing because mm -hmm. a lot of the time you can kind of get hot and heavy too fast. And then, and that doesn't mean just like having sex too fast. It just means like you kind of like hit all of the benchmarks in a very short period of time, just in all, in, in, every every sense of that phrase and then you have like nothing to like build towards and then you're kind of like oh you know what i mean so like i came yeah. in strong she kind of was like all right relax and then <laughs> we, we took our time for a few months and then things kind of just developed gradually and there was never a like oh is there i i, I didn't like overthink it really yeah so she paced you kind of and i was in a place in my life too where i was like ready to be in a relationship. Serious, I think I like, yeah. really wanted to be in one. Mm -hmm. um, so it felt nice and it was fun and, you know. Yeah. It's so interesting because, I mean, again, not dating podcasts, but I feel like I have had a few guests in a row on who have been explicitly talking about dating. It just makes me think about it like a little more deeply. And um, it's funny because it's like part of me so rejects these like, male, female, like stereotypes and like dating and a heterosexual relationship, whatever. But then some of it's true. Like maybe pacing a guy is good. Like it doesn't yeah. mean it's so black and white as to it's going to like make or break a relationship every time. Like obviously there are so many other factors, like people have their personal like needs and whatever the fuck. But, um, but it's interesting that for you and in your situation, like that really worked yeah no very true and um you know it's one of these things it's like just because you're sort of doing things a certain way doesn't mean that you are playing games or anything you know what i mean totally, i think that yeah. you know you don't want to be like be the best version of yourself when you are going into a relationship because we all have like bad tendencies you know what i mean just because you want to eat shitty food before you go to bed doesn't mean you should you know what I mean? Yeah. The same way and, we're like, you don't need to text him every fucking thing you're thinking necessarily. You know what I mean? Like there's definitely yeah. sort of like a healthy way to approach it that isn't like too contrived. That's so interesting. Um, well, food for thought there, guys. Uh, but we're going to move on to quarter life qualms. So as you know, this and for any new listeners you may be bringing in or who are tuning in for the first time, Core Life Qualms is kind of the explicit theme of the podcast, which is being in your 20s and figuring out what the fuck you're doing with your life. Um, mm. So we'll get a little deeper here. Okay, first question. What was a defining experience that you had in your 20s and how has it informed the person you are today? I guess like taking the leap uh, and 
deciding that I was going to only do work that pertained to my, like the greater umbrella of my career. Oh, yes. Um, this, um, sorry to interrupt, but this reminds me of actually something I was interested in talking about earlier. Something I kind of like about interviewing with you is you're not like someone who's a people pleaser. So it's like, you're very nice, but you're not necessarily going to be like, yes. And you're going to be like, no, I don't agree at all. But, oh, really? Yeah, totally. Which is great. I love it. Um, sorry to call you out, but it's very <laughs> funny. But um, but something I think that you may not agree with, but personally, is that like within the entertainment world, especially in you know cities like New York, I would say like compared to LA, to give LA some credit in this way, I think in New York you have one of two reactions when you say you're in entertainment or comedy, for example, right? Like it's either people are like oh, that's so cool and different. Like you're a weird unicorn or they're like, okay, well, what's your like part-time job? Like, but do you make money? And it's like, yeah. it's so presumptuous and it kind of assumes this like naivete in a way where it's like, oh, you just think the world's like a fun place with like monopoly money and you know, that money doesn't matter and that it's kind of like looked down upon in a way. So it basically this is all to say was that like part of your like it being so pivotal to you was just kind of like being worried at all about that kind of judgment or did you not care about that uh i maybe cared a little bit at the beginning um but it's funny the la versus new york thing i have found in my personal experience that mm -hmm. in new york people are more likely to be like well what do you really do and in la people are like oh you're a comedian sick that has been my that's what I was saying, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. in New York, people will be like caught off guard excited, but I think in general, they're more likely to judge it because you see it so much more in LA. It's so much more normalized there. So that's why I feel like in New York, it's like either end of the spectrum. Like they're either like, that's so cool and different, or they're like, okay, but what do you really do? But there's definitely more of the what do you really do in New York than in LA. Yeah. 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 Like in LA, it feels like on the entertainment totem pole, just as far mm -hmm. as like, clout on the street comedy tend like people tend to be impressed by that like everybody's oh, an totally, actor yeah. everybody's a whatever but then they're like oh comedy cool like da 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 um yeah. but i mean as far as like judgment from people there's definitely something satisfying about like turning people who used to ask that question into people who now just want to hang out with you all the time because you <laughs> they think your life is cool because you're doing shit yeah. um uh there's that um I think I, I didn't like the idea of that judgment at one point. I honestly, it's been so long since I've had a connection to it that I, I honestly don't even really remember. It's kind of one of the reasons why I, I, like, I journal. Yeah, uh, I love and that. I, I like it because you kind of forget how you feel about stuff. Like mm -hmm. you don't remember what happened, but, or sorry, you don't forget what happened, but you forget like what you were feeling, you know? Yeah, you forget the emotion behind what happened. Yeah, you forget yeah. like what you were doing. So. You know, I don't like it didn't bother me too much, mm -hmm. but of course it could. And especially if it was like, you know, people like girls judging my living situation mm -hmm. or like that kind of stuff would sting a little, um, especially, you know, some of these New York City people who because like when you're in your 20s and if your parents are like rich, that's like cool still. And then like as you start to get older is when that like no longer is gets that the, the playing field gets leveled out a little bit oh totally i mean, I mean yeah i think also 
<laughs> I mean, it's not like we have a huge age difference. How old are you again? 33? 30s, yeah. Mid 30s. Yeah. He's in his 30s, guys. I'm in my mid 20s. I'm really not. I'm like about to be 28. Uh, but, <laughs> but what I was going to say is like, I actually think in an interesting way, like, I think when I was in high school and you probably were in college was kind of like the age of like parents money being glorified a little more. Like if you think of like gossip girl and stuff, I feel like by the time that's like New York city shit. Yeah, totally. Like in, in, in most high schools, people think, think the quarterback is cool in most high schools, but in New York city, it's like the kid whose dad is the richest kid is get is the kid who gets laid. Well, there was like rich kids of Instagram and shit like that, which I've actually never talked about on the podcast before, but it's hilarious and kind of disgusting. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, there was all this shit. It was very much like the kind of gossip girl era. So I could see how like when you were in college or like just graduating, that would still be like glorified in a way, uh, especially moving back to New York. I feel like by the time I was in college, it was actually kind of the other side of it where it was like seen as like, oh, you're privileged, you know, which like I think is actually a good thing. Like I would prefer that to the opposite. Um, like I think it checked a lot of those people that period of time where by the time I, I mean, I, I went to LA basically right out of college, but I think people are less likely to jump to like being like, oh, daddy, money you know like i feel like that's been shamed a little bit for the better is basically interesting what. well i yeah. mean like I, I can understand in college that like being a thing mm -hmm. especially like where you went where it's like a really good school i don't know i mean yeah. i wonder about that because i i don't know like the sort of like like when you get out of school like if you're in new york it most people in new york mm -hmm. not everybody obviously but a lot a lot of people in new york parent their parents help them Totally. Yeah. At first, right? So it's like those first few years, it's like everybody's parents are helping them out. My parents weren't really, weren't really involved yeah. in that way. Um, and it's kind of like those kids, like that's like normal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it'll be like, even in the circles of people that I was hanging out with, there was like a lot of people whose parents were like supporting their lifestyle and there was nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? But then like a decade goes by and then all of a sudden, like you see what everybody's done and like those same people now like are like quote starting companies and it's just like a complete joke like you can see that like mm -hmm. their like parents are paying for models. it yeah they're they're starting companies that aren't making any money and like they have to ask their parents permission for shit like that's not that like uh, eventually that's like not cute anymore so like the playing field gets leveled out i feel like as you get a little older and being like oh let me ask my dad like that just becomes like embarrassing yeah. like yeah it's like it becomes embarrassing Okay. And like, it's an interesting, it was an interesting thing to like witness kind of that turn over time. And it's like satisfying too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Going from being like, oh, like I'm embarrassed that like I have a shitty living situation to being like, oh, like you don't do anything with your life. Totally. And you know I, I, mean? I do want to make a point of saying just because some of the people you're addressing would fall into like people I know or might be listening. And I think like a good distinction to make is that it's not always that cut and dry or that black and white. Like I think there, we both know certainly people like that and people who are a bit entitled about it and a bit like, I don't really have to do anything until I'm scrambling to do something. 
But I think there are people who have like kind of taken their privilege and like done great stuff with it and have still worked their asses off. So I do want to like kind of make that, you know, like I totally know what you're saying. And I think it's awesome that you got to the point where you're like, I've never need to ask for help and I'm fucking killing it. But I just want to make a distinction that not all kids born into money are brats. I mean, and I'm not like shitting on them. It's just like mm-hmm. in comedy and in like entertainment and stuff, you do see like, and, the, and again, there's mm-hmm. the beauty of comedy in a way is like, you can't really t- take shortcuts. And like yeah. the people who like, it's just funny when like someone will have just started and it'll come at you with that like confidence, like they've been doing it. Oh, like maybe. the rich kid confidence kind of thing? Like yeah. maybe, like it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be, but it's like, don't talk to me, dude. Like, I don't, Yeah. like, you know what I mean? You don't know what you're talking about. And like, yeah. I, you know, like, I don't know, whatever. But yeah, it's, it's just like the, the, the playing field gets a little more level as time goes on with that kind of Definitely. shit. But anyway, th- back to back to your yes. original question. Yeah, that was the sort of pivotal. That was a pivotal moment because it's a scary thing. And then, mm. but you you know, people say you know you can manifest whatever, and it it sort of is true if you're if you're spending your time and energy focusing on like trying to make things happen in a certain way, especially if like you have a little bit of momentum, a little bit of this or that, whatever. Um, eventually even if it you're not you're not sure where the next opportunity or job is going to come from like you sort of by putting all your energy and focus into it you figure it out you know totally i think that's one of the things um and i totally relate to so much of what you're saying by the way i don't want you to think i don't but um but i think that's one of the things that's hardest um probably about like when I was in LA, I, I'm not sure if I told you this before, but when I was in LA, I was working at like a doctor's office the whole time. And part of why I had my like, what the fuck moment or for like crisis or whatever you want to call it was because yeah, I was making good money and I was saving it. And there were a lot of perks to that, but I found myself being like, I'm identifying as an actor, but my part-time job is kind of become my life. Like, because I, there is a part of me that really just wants to like, get the paycheck and like, you know, like have that kind of security and not have to worry, which is very human and is very pragmatic in some ways. But I just found that like, when I was going to auditions, or when I was doing the things that were supposed to be the priority, quote unquote, like, I wasn't putting my all into it. Um, So I think that's kind of when I had my like moment where I was freaked out, because I was like, holy shit, I just woke up. I don't know, little did I know there's about to be a fucking pandemic, but I was like, I'm 20, I guess six at this point now. Like, what am I doing? Like, am I going to be a doctor? No, I'm not going to be a fucking doctor. You know, I was like, I need to like figure out if I'm going to be in entertainment or if I'm just going to like start a new career path where it's like a nine to five thing. And for a while Mm -hmm. I've been listening to podcasts and I was like, this kind of seems like a happy medium where you do have like control over it. And it seems like something I could like really throw myself into, but there is a theatrical element of it. And like, you're surrounded by these like entertainers and it is a form of entertainment. So I totally get that because I feel like part of the reason this has moved more quickly for me than acting in some ways is because like once I dropped the part-time job and was like, solely focused on this like you're right there is momentum that builds up and it does start to like kind of 
fall into place because you're putting so much energy towards it. But I really just to people listening who are like struggling or still in their first couple of years of it or whatever, like, I totally get that. It's really hard to like balance mentally, like the energy you're putting towards part-time job and making money and then just like what you love. And it sucks that like the world we live in makes it that hard in a way, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, and you know, we're talking about a lot of different things and, and once, and there, there are certainly things in common, which is like, mm-hmm. there's just no clear cut path or process. Um, yeah. so you kind of just have to spend a bunch of time figuring it out and okay. figuring it out requires energy. You know what I mean? Like think critical thinking and, you know, looking at the big picture stuff. And if, you know, it, it, it's hard to balance out when you uh, are doing other things, but you have to, and it can be part of it. And it is what it is. It's not, it's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? But it is nice to make progress, of course. Definitely. Okay. On to the next question. Sorry. I feel like I just went up on a soapbox after you're like, you ask good questions. I'm like, suddenly I just spoke for 30 minutes. Um, what is something that you continue to find difficult about quote unquote adulting? I guess just like being like consistency, like the days where I can like handle every task and all my shit. And then the days where I'm just like, I can't literally do a single thing. Mm, you know yeah. what I mean? I wish I could always have peak energy and focus at all times. I guess maybe that's impossible. And, mm. you know, there's a high likelihood that letting go of the hope that you can function at that high of a level every single day and make it, make it easier. Yeah. Do you ever find that like affecting your comedy or not really? For sure. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, like we were just talking about, you have to spend time and energy and focus. And and if you're writing jokes, it's sort of, it's a, it's a process. So, you know, if, if you're thinking about them every day and you're tweaking and you're listening and you're making changes and then you have to perform. And then there's a bunch of factors that go into whether or not the jokes are working well. And like the audience audience really does matter. It matters, but you know, and then not, not to say if like they're good or bad or whatever, but just Mm -hmm. like the way that they are listening, like there might be a night where an audience doesn't like a certain thing you do. And the show might be going well, it might not be going well. It doesn't necessarily matter, but just like the way when you try something different, the way that like people, uh, the audience processes that can really mm. affect whether or not you stick with Feel that. Good about it. Yeah. So like if you do it one day and it goes really well, you might think that was really funny and maybe it isn't. And maybe you try three more times and it doesn't work, <laughs> but maybe yeah. you try it one time and it was funny, but it didn't work for some reason. Maybe you said it weird. Maybe something happened. Yeah. Uh, and then you give up on it. So that it just takes a long time. Uh, and it's hard to kind of consistently chip away at it. And I imagine that a lot of the people out there, and I'm not putting myself even in this group, but a lot of the mm-hmm. the comedians who are just super prolific and funny and are constantly coming up with new shit, like I, I imagine that they must spend a lot of time grinding away at sort of like picking apart jokes and sitting down for mm-hmm. forcing themselves to write and rewrite and blah, 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 blah. Um, and that's, that's a hard thing. You know what I mean? And to the same degree that I was just talking about, like some weeks I feel really on it. Other weeks I don't. Um, but you just got to keep chugging along and not beat yourself up if you don't feel like you did it right. Yeah. You know, I feel like that must be like kind of humanizing too, in a way, like 
if you do comedy long enough, just seeing everyone bomb at some point or a joke go really well. Like, say you are performing, like, with Francis twice in a row, and one day he does this new material and goes, great, I'm just using, like, a random example. And then the next time it doesn't, like, there's something very, like, I don't know, humanizing and kind of nice about that, where it's, like, you realize that, like, even people you think are great or that do great sometimes, like you can't a hundred percent of the time have that energy or be on or hit right with every audience. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the better you get, you sort of can take mm -hmm. that out of the equation. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Where you can pick what shows you want, what stages you want to be on. You know what I mean? Like, I sort of would be, I wouldn't be upset if somebody were to argue that Chappelle never has those nights Mm. like he'll show up and quite frankly it, maybe he's the only person i've ever seen who it doesn't really matter where he is it doesn't matter yeah. who's there it doesn't matter and he'll go he'll do it for like four hours straight wow. and just be hilarious the whole time he could be wild. fucked up he could be sober it just it like just doesn't matter beside that maybe that's the exception of the rule but still yeah. like no that's cool now i want i'm like i'm gonna get a show gang tickets now I mean, he's and, like a fucking legend. Like he, well, I've seen him on TV, but you know, a little different. <laughs> he's like, no, he's like the Roger Federer of comedy. Like he's, like a <laughs> I love that he's comparison. Serious. He's yeah, a living, no, he's a living legend who's around, and everybody fucking loves him. Everybody, yeah. else is, you know, what I mean, nobody's like he's not funny. Like nobody says that. No comedian says that. Yeah, that's you know? so real. That's so um, funny. Yeah, and there's no peeling back. There's no like Emperor's New Clothes equation with that. Like it's, yeah. it's just what it is. But, but to my point, like if you're a big comic and you have something coming up, like you can just pop in at the, at the best shows and work out your shit, which takes totally. a little bit of, of the, like, okay, I have a show tonight. If it sucks, like it, it seems like there's a place where you, and I, I'm assuming this cause I'm not there, but it seems like they're, you know, the better and better you get and the more famous you get and all that stuff. Like it, it become the, the process of like working on material can become maybe more streamlined because you have a better mm. places to do it work it out totally and then also maybe if you like are bigger and try a new joke out and it doesn't hit you don't really care because you have like a certain level of like confidence built up and just like a little bit of ego out of it you'd hope by that point so and also you can literally bring your fucking notepad with you and a yeah. lot of big I've big big, big people comics do that yeah yeah and they funny. literally say like i'm working on stuff yeah so lower your expectations i, kind of I heard that. that exact sentence and Me too, this is what yeah. it is. You do, you've earned the right to do that. Totally. And I think that's so great because like, I'm like, Ooh, I'm seeing it, seeing it live, literally, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. And then how have your thirties been different so far from your twenties, like in general? Um, but it's like, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, you start to do better and you start to feel more confident with who you are as a person. And you know, you've, you've been doing, whereas when you're 25 and you're doing, you're starting out doing something, you're like, is this going to work out? You go from that to sort of like it, you're, you've now been living that you've been living that thing that you were wondering if it was going to work out in my case, you know what I mean? Or you've transitioned into something else that makes more sense for you or whatever. But regardless, chances are you're closer to sort of living the life you want to live than you were before. And maybe, yeah. maybe you're not, maybe you are, who knows, but like, you're probably closer to it. You know more shit. You still, like, in my opinion, knock on wood, 
I've really enjoyed my 30s so far. Yeah. Uh, you're still able-bodied. You haven't really <laughs> lost, you know what I mean? You haven't like fully yeah, lost no, a step no. yet physically. Like certainly my peak physical form is probably behind me, but I still can exercise. I'm like fairly healthy and um, I know so much more shit and I'm more successful and know, know more of what I want and what I like. And it's much, much, much better than my 20s for me personally. Yeah, no, that's, I love hearing that. And I feel like a lot of guests say that. And I think what it is, I think like the end of your 20s are kind of stressful because it's like the build up towards being 30 and like it being a different phase of life. But then it seems like once you're in it, it's just better. Yeah, <laughs> so it's I like, never felt it's that way, of, to yeah. be honest. Really? I think it's like, also like a female, I think it's harder for women in that sense, in a way. I, can, I Not, understand that a hundred percent of the time, but especially in the entertainment industry. And like, you know, when you're getting ads thrown at you about Botox from Instagram, thank you, Instagram. I got it. I'm 27 turning 28. Maybe it's time for Botox, but maybe don't remind me of it every day. But also, but not even just for an entertainment yeah. standpoint, like, mm -hmm. you know, when you're in, you hit your thirties, you're like, I want to have a family and there's all, you know, all these accurate statistics about the likelihood of being able to have kids and geriatric hoping, pregnancy, all that shits. Right. So <laughs> yeah, I understand, yeah. I understand that kind of uh -huh. the anxiety that's associated with that. And I've seen it in friends of mine who sort of like cross into their thirties and they're not dating and they, some people handle it. Uh, they have people handle it in different ways, of course. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely understand that. But my time where I sort of that, that transition where I was maybe a little bummed out, uh, like mm -hmm. crossing the 25, the 25 yard line. The 25 uh, yard line. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that was maybe a time where I was like, oh, I'm not a kid anymore. No one's going to cut me slack anymore. No one's going to uh -huh. give me the benefit of the doubt anymore. Like I'm a fucking grown ass man now and people are treating me like it. And I yeah. need to like, you know, I'm Italian. My parents, my, my girlfriend always jokes that my parents see me as a 12 year old still. Oh yeah. Your mom, when you come home is like, does, is she like a cheek grabber? Is that a thing? Like, family. no, but my mom, my dad still calls my mom, mommy to me. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, my mom did that once recently. I actually had a visceral reaction. She was like, daddy, I was like, don't call him that. That's sexual. That's weird. I literally said <laughs> that. I was like, don't, don't make it weird. She's like, she was cracking up. I was like, that is no, I'm no longer at the age where that's not, I'm not thinking of porn when you say daddy. Like it doesn't, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, no. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my dad, my dad's mom, my grandmother, uh -huh. um, who passed away a couple of years ago, um, but she, he calls, he called her mommy. And when he talks to his sister, calls yeah. her mommy still. So it's like, wow. yeah, yeah, I don't know. So, so whatever. So my parents. Italians are um, so cute though. Like you got, like, I feel like Italian Americans like fucking retain their culture. Like, I, I'm from an Irish American family and we're all like, ah, let's just get away from that trauma and drink a lot. Like Italians are like so proud, you know, like it's kind well, of my nice. parents are off the boat. My parents oh, are. Wow. Immigrants. Really? I didn't realize yeah. that. Like I'm obviously Italian American, I guess, but yeah, my parents are like closer to the source than I think maybe a lot of Italian people that I know. Um, but I guess cool. still effectively Italian American, but they're a little more Italian maybe than you're, no, I'm saying you're Italian American. You're Italian. That's awesome, though. Right. Yeah, yes. that's fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. No, I I didn't expect that, but I guess looking at your name, um, for people listening, right. obviously we'll plug you at the end and stuff. But it's G I U L I O. So it's like that's like quite Italian. That spelling mm -hmm. and everything. So that's yeah, that's super cool. <laughs> super Italian. You know what? We have to 
finish up. So we'll get into the 70 questions. I loved all the core like palm answers. Yeah. Also, you know what it is? A better description of like the way you interview is it, it feels like a match. Like it's very, it's fun because it's like interactive and back and forth. But you're not, not going to like challenge the person you're talking to in some ways in a cool way. Does that make sense? <laughs> you're like, no, fuck me. I guess it's just like funny. I'm, I'm, no, it's like, it's like You've making me be that. like, what do I like sound like? What am I, what am I sounding like? You know what I mean? I'm just, I know, I, I don't know. Like I've never, no, I, I don't know that I, that anyone's ever told me that. Okay. Guys, here I am again, trying to psychoanalyze someone on my show. I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this happens far too often. Yeah. All right. 70 questions. Yeah. Not going to lie. I haven't edited them since last time. So I'm going to ask a few new ones on the spot. We're doing it live. Let's go. I swear. I don't remember them. Yeah. I'm still going to, for me, I'm going to like switch it up just okay. for fun, you know, keep it okay. fresh. Um, do but the first, do. Thank you so much. But the first question is always, uh, what is the current team in your life? And I'm sure it's changed at this point. The hot goss in my life. I like don't have any. Sorry. No, you have to. <laughs> no, no. Have to? Okay. Okay. I'm okay, not okay. letting you get off. Okay. The hot tea in my life. Um, I'm doing a like live event for this uh, like short documentary I made about a trip that I took to Rwanda to do stand up um, for the New York Comedy Festival. It's going to be November 9th at Caveat uh, on the Lower East Side. It is so basically we're screening the short. In, in summary, really fast, I like read an article about these guys who were doing a bunch of stand up in Africa, these like Rwandan people. And I was like, that's that just seems random. So I hit them up on Facebook and I was like, I would come do shows sometime if you guys would have me. Yeah. They're like, dude, we're about to do this festival. You should come. I went, I did it. I shot a bunch of stuff uh, and the video ended up doing really well. So now we're going to do a thing where we like have a comedy show. We're going to screen it and then we're going to zoom in some of those comedians from Rwanda and we're going to do sort of like a Q&A and discussion about it. And it's going to be cool. So that, that I guess is so the tea. Sick. Yeah, no, that is the tea. That's really cool and very random, but very, very cool random. Um, <laughs> I feel like from like what we've spoken about in the past as well and like hearing you on other podcasts, like you really seem to like love and prioritize travel, which is really cool. Yeah, no, I do. I mean, it's, yeah. it's important to me. Um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. How long did this take? Like how long were you there for? So it's funny. I was only there for like 10 days and mm -hmm. I came back and I had never – edited unscripted shit like that before so the guy who directed it with who's a friend of mine was gonna help and then like sort of non-verbally decided that he didn't want to he mm -hmm. like didn't have time so i was kind of yeah. just like on my own didn't know what i was doing didn't have the proper hardware to like edit such a massive project like that even yeah. though it only ended up being 10 minutes long um so i kind of let it sit there for a while and had a bunch of anxiety about it and then one day started picking like chipping away at it um screened it at this show at you ever go to that place gospel i love gospel i had the best New Year's eve of my life there it was 2019 or 2018 going into 2019 it was really fun yeah i like that place too but anyway they yeah. just do a comedy show there and mm -hmm. we screened it at the end some like agents came and then we i ended up getting this kind of production deal we were going to try to make this show whatever whatever covid happened it kind of fell apart mm -hmm. and that was fine and then i was like all right fuck it i'll just put it on instagram 
Uh, and then it did, it's like the best performing piece of content that I've ever made, which is really cool. Wow. So I'm glad that, you know, the New York Comedy Festival hit me up and wanted to like do more shit with it because I'm happy to, and I'm glad that yeah. it's, it was ended up being worth it. You know what I mean? And since then I've kind of been playing around with the idea of making content that kind of revolves around travel with in, in kind of many different mediums. I've done like podcasts and other videos and whatever. So it's a fun that's thing to do. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's a good way to like combine different passions you have. So that's really yeah. cool. And it's good. And I, I like kind of like the implicit message of that story too, which is that like, even if something doesn't pan out the way you like foresee it panning out or like, you know, like it's right. good. You didn't just give up on it. Like you could have just been like, oh, this yeah. happened. Nothing's going to like work with it. And then it was your best, you know, performing thing on, you know, online. So that's, yeah. that's fucking cool. All right. Uh, I'm making you repeat this for like the 80th time. So I'm sorry, but what is one of your craziest dating stories? Oh, this is a funny one actually. Okay. So I was, I went on a date with this girl um, and she was really cool. I forget how I met her. I think it was a friend of a friend, one of my friends from a theater school. Like she, um, we went on a couple of dates. It was really fun. I went to the Stella Adler conservatory program after I finished undergrad when I was in New York. Yeah. Um, so we're in bed and we hadn't really done anything. We're like in bed watching a movie and she mentions one of her friends Mm. and I was like, Oh, and I said like the person's first and last name. I was like, I know her. And I didn't even really know her. Like, this guy I'm friends with in comedy, who's this like older, mm-hmm. weird guy. He's like, he's like, yeah, this fucking girl. Uh, and he, he would always say her name. He's like, I got to set you up with her. She's hot. And I never actually met her. I just knew who she was. And I was yeah. like, I know her. And the girl goes, what? You know her? I'm like, yeah. And she just put her clothes on and walked out of my apartment and never talked to me ever again. Because oh, I knew her, her friend My was. God. Wait, that is so funny. I wonder if she assumed you'd like slept with her. She must have, right? It must have been something weird. I fully explained the story. Did you you did you ask like why do you hate her? She just like didn't speak. She doesn't. Is her friend? That is. I don't. I was so weird. It was so fucking weird. And you explained Um, to her that you hadn't hooked up with her. Yes, very clearly because I you know I was trying to figure out what the fuck her thought process was. I was like I literally have never met her before. And she was like, all right, like, and then just walked out and I never spoke to her ever again. That is After we hung crazy. out a couple of times. Was it around Halloween? It was crazy. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it was wild. Spooky season is upon us, y'all. Okay. Um, <laughs> if you had an alter ego, what would it be and why? Um, do you remember this question? I did oh, ask yeah. this last time. Yeah, I think I do because I have this like rap character, but I, that I wouldn't actually be him. Yeah. But I did like sort of have a quote alter ego. It wasn't really an alter ego. It was just like a character piece, let's call it. So I had this car. You can look this up. It's called Lil Young Big. Three different, three words. And I made all these like songs and music videos and I would do these yeah. live events. So I did this thing called The Virtual Art Project. And it was like an, it was an, a live uh, not live. It was like a video art piece that I did yeah. at this art, this Bang and Olufsen art thing in LA. I did it again in New York. So cool. Yeah. It was basically just like a, an audio, our video accompaniment to this album that this character made. And I would go in character and like. <laughs> did you actually make an album? Yeah. It's on Spotify. Shut the fuck up. 
Yeah, there's Lil Young Big has like 20 songs on Spotify. How old were you doing this? Uh, I I did it up until maybe th- I probably stopped doing it three years ago. So I did it for like five <laughs> or six years. I, I made a virtual that. I made a virtual reality video yeah. that's yeah. on YouTube as well. So just like <laughs> it was a really fun thing to experiment with. It sort of never. It ended up just like costing a bunch of money and I'd never, nothing really ever came out of it, but it was fun. I pitched some ideas and it was yeah. really fun to like, I had people, the, the crowning achievement of this character, mm-hmm. a friend of mine came to the show in LA and introduced themselves to me and didn't realize it was me. That's kind of beautiful. Well, you know, one of my creative friends, whatever. But anyway, she uh-huh. came to the show and she was like, nice to meet you. And I was like, do you not recognize me? Oh anyway, my god! So you can amazing. you can play. I and there's there's live video of that event on Lil Young Big's YouTube channel. Also, it probably has like a hundred views. But whatever. I love how fun. you literally speak about him in like third person. You're like on his on his YouTube page, not mine. It's his. I know <laughs> that that can sound obnoxious, but it's no, true. It's, it's a character. It's just it's yeah. a character. It's not yeah. me. It's not me being me. It's a character. Uh, being a character. Yeah. And yeah, it was a fun way to be experimental. Okay, I didn't ask you this last time, and I feel like I'm taking a gamble here because clearly you don't like name dropping. But is it true <laughs> that you started comedy with Pete Davidson? It is true. Um, there's a group of us, and to be honest, <laughs> I'm like, I, honest, d- I didn't know if you were gonna of... like shut it down. I was like, yes, you did. No, 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 it's fine. I mean, that it's not, it's no secret. So Pete, myself, uh, another very successful comedian, Ricky Velez. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Stefano. These are some like yeah. names of people who are like doing pretty well now. Uh, Mike Cannon. Like, yeah, I mean, so we, we were all doing these prom shows together at New York comedy club, which is basically like you do comedy for people who went to the prom that night at like two in the morning and you don't really make any money or whatever. Huh. Um, so we kind of like all started together and, you know, Pete obviously started his sort of meteoric rise to success and stardom like pretty quickly. Um, but it's been great to sort of, to enjoy the the sort of the spoils of riding his coattails to a degree. You know what I mean? Like there was a few years where we sort of like fell out of touch. Uh, we didn't talk a ton, but then we sort of reconnected with him in the last two or three years. Yeah. I, went, I went on tour with him a bunch. That's always oh, that's really awesome. fun to perform big theaters and do big shows. And, yeah. uh, you know, he throw, t- tosses us, tosses the boys a bone when he can. And uh, it's fun to work with him. And it's crazy to see your friends get super successful, you know? Yeah. And exciting too. It's That's yeah, awesome. He always has some like new famous hot girlfriend. Like it's always, yeah, it's cool to like. Literally always. It's cool to like. He had the Bridgerton to, girl recently. I think yeah, they broke yeah. up, but yeah. Yeah. That was the thing. I didn't, I never met her because that was like pandemic. And yeah. He was, I think he was over there hanging out with her, but uh you know, he's always bringing somebody new around and it's always fun. And uh, his life is super dynamic and, and entertaining. Okay. I'm going to add on a 70 question to that just so we can continue. Did you ever meet or who's the most famous girlfriend you met? Of his? Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, I've met, I've met like most of them, like anybody who he dated for long enough, I have met and spent a lot of time with. And so are you saying Ariana Grande? They're all very, they're all very cool. And, uh, you know, it was fun while they, while things, whenever, while they were, yeah. there, you know what I mean? Well, it's funny because I feel like I've like adjacent met Ariana Grande. Like she was best friends slash is best friends with this kid, Aaron Simon Gross, shout out Aaron, who, uh, went to Northwestern with me. So there were like all these photos of her, um, 
visiting him and like wearing you know when she was in her like whole like sweatshirt and like you can't see her shorts under and her high ponytail like there's one of those photos of her in a northwestern sweatshirt and everyone's like yeah but um so i've definitely been on campus when she was there so like same same but totally different um all right and i honestly don't know what question we're on guys but we're gonna say this is seven because I feel like I've had a lot of addendum ones. Uh, so <laughs> what is something that people otherwise wouldn't know about you? I, well, I, I talked about this on my podcast recently, so now maybe people do know this about me, but That's I've it. always wished that I could get pregnant. What? This is such a, I'm so glad I asked this because you did not say this last time. I forgot what you said, but it was not this. Please explain. Actually, you know what? I think you your girlfriend and I should work out a deal. Like I, that made it sound like I wanted a threesome. That's not what I'm implying, but I would love to not ever, I actually, I don't know how it involves any of you, but I would just love to never be pregnant. So if you want to figure out a way to carry my child is basically what I, yeah. Why would you ever want to be pregnant? It's easy for me to say since I can't, but like, it it. just seems like such a special experience. Like you get to grow a fucking human in your body it inevitably ends up making you closer to the kid because of it. And like, I am a little jealous of that, that like, I'll never get to experience that. That is so funny. I have something to say about one of those points after we wrap, but, um, (laughs) okay. I kind of see that in a way for you. Were you doing this on oops? Like, were you? I did do it on oops. Yeah. Yeah. What did Francis say to this? (laughs) I think he just wanted to, I, for, I forget, but I think he us. wanted to just like hear where I was, where coming I was coming from. from with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that he, he's like, he's like, I don't know. I think, yeah. He just wanted to know more about what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of just talked about pregnancy in general, but <laughs> it just seems like something that's really special that like guys can do, you know? I love it. Wow. What a, I think you've, officially uh one most interesting thing people otherwise wouldn't know about you um anyways that thank you so much for coming on um as we were just saying julio has his own podcast oops the podcast that he does with francis ellis you guys should go listen i know i'm gonna go listen after and try to figure out more of this whole pregnancy situation um i'm fascinated definitely a good teaser for it um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on again. This was this was so fun and very different from the first time for sure. Um, where can everyone find you, see you, do your stand up, which you're running off to now? Yeah, I mean, come to my festival show on November 9th. Yeah, uh, a caveat that's going to be cool and it's going to be like a fun, unique yeah. experience. You should for sure. Um, you know, if you if you're ser- if people listening are serious about wanting to come, it's going to sell out. So try to get tickets uh, while you can. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm on Instagram, not Julio. I don't have a website or anything, um, which I at first thought was cool. And now I'm kind of like, okay, now it's just, <laughs> I, need, I need one again. I'm like, I don't need a website. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. So guys, uh, any website builders out there, anyways, you can follow me at CKNY1213 and follow the podcast at WTF Sup Pod. Okay. Bye, Julio. Bye.